Today, our special guest is Mr. Raphael Davis, former captain and an All-American basketball star from Purdue University. Let's find out what it takes to work hard on and off of the court and how he gives back to his community. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So yeah, about myself, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I grew up on the south side of town in the inner city area. I went to a school called Southside High School for three years. Uh, my senior year, I went to a prep school in the northern part of the state called Lalamere. Um, while I was at Southside, though, I committed to play basketball for Matt Painter at Purdue University. So that was cool. Uh, then also in high school, I had a lot of fun. I got to go to, got a scholarship to go play. Well, let me say this. In high school, I got good grades. I got good grades. I had all A's in high school. I had all A's in my prep school. That led me into Purdue. I uh, had a good time at Purdue. We won some games. We lost some games. I uh, was academic, all Big Ten team, which means I had a 3.5 my entire time at Purdue. Um, so it was just a good time the entire time I was at Purdue. I played a little bit in China after Purdue. I got hurt. I hurt my back like an old man while I was young. Um, then I actually got into a real job. My first real job ever came at 22 years old. And I worked for a company called Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals for four years. And then after that, I started just training basketball players, a kid your age. I started coaching and just giving them back to basketball in the community. And now I host a lot of basketball camps in different communities all over the country. I do a lot of training and speaking all over the country. But also I just go back to my hometown and visit a lot and go in my community and make sure my kids have the opportunities that I had. Wow. We read that you graduated magna cum laude in high school. Whoa, that is amazing. How did you have time to work on the court and on such time? You said how did I have so much time to work on the court and in classroom? Well, yeah, that, I, that was actually no one's ever asked me that about high school magna cum laude. That's a great question. That's some research. <laughs> but no, that was at Lalamere. And that was, I just, it was time management. I know you guys are young, but you'll learn about time management. Um, I spent a lot of time in the gym playing basketball, but when I wasn't in the gym playing basketball, I was I was in my dorm, I was doing my homework, I was with my tutors, I was asking for help. So I just spent a lot of time on my own studying, reading a lot of books. I read a lot of books my senior year in high school. I spent a lot of time by myself doing my work. So it was fun. It was it was a lot. It was kind of hard, but I mean, when you have time management, you have good friends. All of my friends got good grades that year too. It made it a little easier. What inspired you to choose Purdue and play hoops there? Uh, Matt Painter. Matt Painter. Matt Painter was very, very honest with me. Matt Painter is the coach at Purdue. And Matt Painter, when I was, I committed to play at Purdue when I was only 14 or 15. So I was pretty young. But Matt Painter, he would be brought me in. He never told me a lie. He never told me I would be better than I would. He only told me, only promise he made was that if you, if he only promise he said was that if you come and you play hard and you work hard, you might be able to play. So it just gave me an opportunity to go somewhere where I knew I was wanted. I knew I would be appreciated. I didn't go somewhere where I wanted them more than they wanted me. It just worked out for everybody in the situation. And it was close to home. I like to be by my mom. So <laughs> I won't be too far. It's great. You had a great coach. Yeah, I had a really good coach. He was a, he was a really, really fun guy. And also, he was a guy that now I'm 27. So look, I committed to play for my coach when I was 14 or 15. And now I'm 27, so I'm not, I haven't played for him for five years. He still helps me to this day. I can still call him and ask for help. I can call him, ask for advice. I can go back to Purdue and I can go and have lunch with him. So he's a guy that he's my coach, but he's also a mentor. He's also turned into a family in a sense.
So you want to, if you play sports, you want to be around the guys and be around a coach that not only will coach you hard, but cares about you after he's done coaching you. That's great. This kind of goes along with the last question. You kind of answered, but did you have a mentor or coach that inspired you to become an athlete? Yes, I had a mentor coach. When I was young, I had a coach. See, this is also what I talk about. So when I was young, I had a coach. His name was Jared Quirles. He started coaching me when I was 12 years old, maybe a little bit older than you guys. And I still, I talked to him this morning. So he was my mentor when I was 12. He's my mentor when I'm 27. He's a guy that's always been honest with me. I've spent a few months where I didn't talk to him because he was too honest with me. But yes, I've had a mentor. I've had the same mentor, the same group of mentors since I was your age. And mentorship is very important. Having a mentor, someone you can trust, someone you can go to, someone you can have tough conversations with outside of your family, that, that's big to have. I think everyone, I think everyone could benefit from a mentor. That is really good. What was the hardest part of being a captain of your college team? What Ooh. was rewarding about it? Oh, that's another good one. No one's ever asked that. The hardest thing about being a captain in college is um, the hardest thing about being a captain in college is getting the guys to listen to you. Because I wasn't the biggest guy. I know I'm, I'm, I'm bigger than you guys and I'm tall for my, you know, but there were probably seven or eight guys way bigger than me that could have picked me up and body slammed me. I mean, we had guys that were seven foot two. We had guys that were seven feet, guys that were six ten, guys that were six nine. They could easily just pick me up and body slam me. But getting those guys to listen to me and buy into the team vision and getting the guys to buy into one team goal, that was the tough part. But we had a lot of good teammates that made it easy to do. So that was a good question. What qualities do you think make a good captain? Someone that's honest, someone that's hardworking, because if you're not doing the work yourself, you can't tell someone else to do it. You can't say you go do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So you have to be willing to do it yourself, but then you have to be willing to do, be honest. If you don't know, one thing that my coach would say about me, if I didn't know the answer, I'll not, I'm not gonna make it up. I'm gonna tell, look you in your face and I say, I don't know, but I can figure it out. Or I ask somebody that does know, or maybe one of my teammates, maybe they know. So it's one situation, you gotta be honest, you gotta be hardworking, but you gotta be trustworthy. You gotta be accountable. Do you guys know what accountable means? You gotta be accountable every day. Cause you gotta, you, the leader has to come in every single day, whether you're feeling good, you're sick, you had a bad day at school, you have to have a smile on your face and you have to be the leader. That was a tough thing that I had to deal with. Cause when I was in college, I had a daughter and I was dealing with my daughter. I was dealing with her mom. I was dealing with a lot of things off the court. But when I stepped on the court, I had to be ready for my teammates. So always being there and being present every day. And another thing for you guys to learn is being an energy giver. When you go into the room, the room should pick up with energy. Everybody should smile when they see you. You don't want to go into the room and the energy just drops when you walk in. That's another good thing to when you're being a leader. You want people, you want people to be excited when they see you. What was your hardest game you ever played mentally and physically, and how did you recover from it? Okay, let me think. What was my, okay, physically, physically my hardest game, look, it made me scratch my head. Uh, physically, my hardest game was against Michigan State my senior year. Michigan State my senior year, we had never beat Michigan State, and we were going in, my, it was one of the last games of the season, and I was almost at 1,000 points in my career, if I'm just being honest. I almost had 1,000 points, 
And it was just a big game for me. You never beat him. So I was had to guard one of the best players in the country. He's in the NBA now. So he was just physically, he was really good. So I had to chase him around all game. But then after, after that game, I thought we won. It was a big game. We won the game. I thought I was going to go out and celebrate with my friends and go like go to a party or something. I was so tired. I got home and I fell asleep on the couch. I didn't even make it upstairs. So it was a game where I played. We went into overtime too. So our normal game is 40 minutes. So we played 50 minutes, that 45 minutes that night. And I played all 45 minutes. I was exhausted. But then mentally, mentally, my first game in China was the toughest. I played a game in China. And I'm used to having my family in the stands. And when my family wasn't there, that was a tough mental battle to get over. So playing in China, China was mentally tough. Were you always a leader? Any stories from grade school that you would like to share? What grade school did you go to? Okay, so oh, I like this. Um, hmm. So, so say, do I have any stories from, from, say it again? Say the question again one more time. Um, were you always a leader? Any stories from grade school that you would like to share? What grade school did you go to? So I went to a school called, I went to a school called Wiser Park Elementary School. It was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I would say growing up, I wasn't the biggest leader. I would say it's something that I grew into. I would say I always, because growing up, let me say this. I went to Wiser Park, but growing up, I always got good grades. I always had a 4.0. My dad would not let me play basketball if I did not have all A's. He always knew I would be good in basketball, but he always knew the environment we grew up in that it's going to take more than just being good at basketball. You're going to have to have good grades. And coaches don't, he would always say coaches don't want to deal with a basketball player and have to deal with your grades off the court. But growing up, I was a leader that way. In school, I would get good grades. I would raise my hand in class. I would hang. In elementary school, I was a nerd, and it was a fun. It was really fun. I read a lot of books, like Junie B. Jones, I still remember, like Series of Unfortunate Events, like all those type of books like that. I was really into it. But as far as vocally, I wasn't a big vocal leader. When I was young, I was more of a follower because I was still thinking that it was not cool to be smart. I didn't want my close friends to think I was smart. So I wanted to kind of follow the leader a little bit. It kind of sounds weird. But just being honest, I wish I wouldn't have been that way. When I got to college, I became more of a vocal leader. My college coach encouraged me. He would say, if you're right, speak up. And if you're doing the right thing, speak up. And he encouraged me to become a leader. And that's how it happened vocally. That's cool. We read that you started a foundation that helps children tend your camp. Can you tell us why you are so passionate about giving back to your community? I'm passionate about giving back to my community just because it's the community I come from and they gave it all to me. I mean, rather be my parents, rather be, like I said, Jared Quarles or the AAU program in the town or rather be coach Joe Jordan or different people that invested in me coming up. I'm going to do that for guys that's coming up. Jared Quarles, my, my mentor, he was my age when I met him. So it's a sense of, obviously I had great parents, but he was a guy that took me to the gym. He stayed with me. We worked out. I talked to him about things I couldn't talk to my parents with. And now I feel as though he helped not only me, but all four of my buddies, we all went to college and played college basketball. So if I can go back and I can take another group of five and do the same thing and take another group of five, then that five turns into 10 kids and then 10 kids turn into 20 kids and then 20 kids turn into 40 kids. We can just start sending a, a lot of kids, whether it be to college rather be the trade school, but just giving a lot of kids a different opportunity. Cause I've been a guy that 
I've played basketball. It's taken me all over the world, but I've also had a corporate job and I've sat with CEOs. You guys know the CEO is? I've sat with the CEO of really big companies. So I feel as though I can give the opportunity through basketball, but give opportunity through also the real world as well. What do you do to grow every year, personally and professionally? Hmm. What do I do every year? You guys have some really good questions. Um, what do I do every year to grow? Ask me one more time. What do you do every year to grow personally and professionally? To grow personally every year, I reflect. I spend a lot of time reflecting. And reflect, by saying reflecting, I mean, I really just sit down sometimes and I think about me and I think about how I'm treating people and I think about what people have to say about me and I think about just the overall idea of me and how I'm going about my everyday. So having self-reflection is big because when you when you lie or when you act like you're somebody you're not, you're not doing anything but tricking yourself. You're lying to yourself. So that's one thing I do is always try and understand where I'm at and what I want to do, but also setting goals. I had a camp this week. And I talked really big about setting goals. Coach Painter always talked about setting goals. He would say, write down what you want to do the next day, the night before, and cross it out as you go throughout the day. So I always set a lot of goals for the year, set really big goals. I'm a guy that it's only, it's, it's a dream until you write it down, it becomes a goal. I set really, really, really big goals. And I don't, did, I do not get discouraged if I don't meet everyone. I try to meet as many as I can that the next, at the end of the year, I make those goals again and I, I tackle them again. So setting goals, not getting down on myself and also talking about my feelings. I'm a guy that is really, really big on mental health. I'm sure you guys maybe know what mental health is, but talking when you're sad, say you're sad. When you're happy, say you're happy. Really understanding to feel your feels is what I say. Feel your feels, be happy. If you're having a bad day, understand it, but don't let a bad moment turn into a bad day. And that And stuff like that is kind of how I keep it going. Can you give me an example of one of the goals that you set? So one of the goals that I set this year was to send 200 kids from inner city communities to basketball camp for free. And not just any type of basketball camp. I want to send 200 kids to basketball camp or basketball clinics that are very high level, that are college level camps that are run by college athletes, former college athletes, where when we were growing up, to go to one of those camps, you may have to pay $100, $150 to be in that type of environment. And not everybody can pay that. There are some families that are fortunate enough to pay that, but some families, they can't afford to send their kid to basketball camp. There was a kid in my hometown who hadn't been to a basketball camp, whose family couldn't afford it. He came to our winter camp. Now he's on an AAU team in the city. He's one of the best players on his town. So it's one of the things where that's what this is all about, giving kids an opportunity to go play Maybe they'd be seen by AAU coach in the town. Maybe we start an AAU program. But given the opportunity for 200 kids to go out and play for at least a week with high, high, high level instruction and to get better on their game. But not also, but not only work on basketball, but my on my biggest goal as well was take 200 young men and young women and just try and help them become better young people. Because this year, and this is me being just honest, it's been too much divide. In the world, there's been too much divide, especially between young people. It's young people are talking about things that we never talked about when we were coming up. So giving people a place to go and bridge different gaps and allow kids that maybe they can't afford camp, maybe they can't afford camp, but they'll be in camp together and they'll be able to talk about basketball.
That's great. Thank you. We hear you are a podcast yourself. Why and who inspired you to start your own podcast? Well, guys like my, I have a buddy, Duan Morero. He has his own podcast. Also, guys like Charlemagne the God, um, Mike Tyson has a podcast. And if you listen to Mike Tyson's podcast, it's the total opposite of what you would think Mike Tyson is. He's a real big bully guy, but his podcast is real sensitive, real thoughtful, real feeling like. It's one of those things where you just allow people to come and speak. And I always wanted to start a podcast for people that played at Purdue for not only Purdue fans, but also the people that's played at Purdue. They we still want to have a voice. Players still want to be connected to the audience. We don't, we want to just we want to talk. And like I like this this year, I built so many friendships with Purdue fans that's turned into friendships. So those are things where if maybe I didn't start this, maybe Lewis Jackson and myself wouldn't have built a bigger friendship. But it's all about giving a voice to voiceless as well, just like you guys are. You guys are giving me a voice to your platform. And I just want to give people a voice that are doing well in their community, give people a voice that maybe someone wouldn't listen to and give them a voice to speak out. I think it's great how we both give out voices in podcasts. Yeah, it's big. It's big to have a platform and have it and do it responsibly. And you have people that normally, maybe they wouldn't have a voice or maybe they don't have a biggest audience or you. Or maybe they, it's just something. But if you have the opportunity to give them a voice and amplify something good and make someone feel good, it's something that you should do. And some people, I mean, you think like a Lewis, a guy that I really looked up to when I was, when I was coming up in middle school and high school was Lewis Jackson. He, he, gone, he went to Purdue, and now he felt as though the fans didn't, didn't care about him as they did before. It's one of the things where I wanted to give Lewis Jackson a voice to let him know not only do I love you, but Purdue still loves you. Our entire fan base still loves you. You don't have to be perfect to keep our love. So it's one of those things, too, where some people may trip in life. And it's not about where you are. It's about how you get up and how you respond. So I give voices to those who respond well. And maybe they, maybe they tripped, but they won't trip again. That's great. There are many kids out there who are nervous before a game. What is your best advice to them? Do you say something to yourself when you are nervous, scared, or anxious before a game or a challenging time in your life? Yeah, I would say I used to get, you guys asked some really good questions. I never told anybody this. I used to get really bad anxiety. I didn't know it was anxiety until after college. I would get really bad anxiety, especially when I would play places on the road. I always played really bad outside of our home arena. So something I tried to start doing towards the end of my career was listening to the same sort of music and having this type of routine, doing the same thing every day before a game, having a routine. But if that doesn't work, just deep breaths, deep breaths, but also understand the moment that you feel. Don't try to, don't act as if this is nothing, this is nothing, I don't know what this is. Just take a deep breath, understand it. If you need to take a step back, take a step back, but then just have fun with it. That's one thing I will say. When you're feeling anxious, you're feeling a big moment, just embrace it and have fun. Don't run from it. Don't try and be scared. Feel it, breathe through it, and enjoy it. Because some of those moments that you feel anxious about could turn into some of the best moments of your life. We Unless know it's a very uncomfortable situation. Don't stay in uncomfortable situations. Uncomfortable and nervous, different. We know you love basketball. So we have to know, who do you think will be winning NCAA March Madness Tournament? 
Well, I thought it would be Purdue. So I'm very sad about Purdue. I thought it would be Purdue. Um, so I, I think I'm going to stay in the Big Ten. I hope it's going to be Michigan. I stay in the, even though I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give say Michigan, but I stay in the Big Ten. I like Juwan Howard. I like their coach. I like that he, I like their coach because they like him. And you can tell that, you can tell when a team likes their coach. You can see him dancing with the team. You can see him having a good time. He's won before as a player. Michigan's coach was a player in the, in the 90s. They won. But then also players get a lot of slack when they try to become coaches. He's proved that not only could he be a great player, but he'd be a great coach. And it'd be a great run for those guys. But I'm, I'm very, very upset that um, Purdue, Purdue got knocked out. <laughs> Do you have any words of encouragement for young aspiring basketball kids who are thinking about playing basketball or any other sport? Yeah, I would say my words of encouragement would be just give it your best. Have fun, especially at your guys' age. And sadly, it may be sad, but your guys' age, your guys aren't being recruited by colleges yet. The high school coach isn't in there recruiting you guys. So go out there and have fun. Have as much fun as you can. Learn how to make your layups, right-hand layups, left-hand layups. Learn how to make little short jump shots. Don't worry about three-pointers. Don't worry about crossing over and going between your legs and all that crazy stuff until you're ready. Do things simple. Take it slow. For your age, making a right-hand layup 10 out of 10 times is better than making a three-pointer two out of 10 times. So you want to be able to make your layups, dribble with your right hand, dribble with your left hand, Full speed as fast as you can without messing up. That's really important. But something that you guys can work on is working on being able to listen. My college coach would always say listening is a skill. So when your coach is listening, when your teacher is talking, I mean, your coach is talking, your teacher is talking, eyes up, ears up, listening. No dribbling the ball, no writing on a notebook, we're listening. Our coach started recruiting players that listened well. Maybe not the best athletes, couldn't jump the highest, but if it's a tough game and it's 20,000 people screaming, who can hear me and who can listen the best in the, in the timeout? And who not only can listen, but who can listen, but implement what I said. So listening, but also listen to your parents. Start building an accountability. If you mess up your room, clean up your room. If you clean mess up the kitchen, clean up the kitchen. Because stuff like that will bleed into everyday life and on a basketball court. My college coach would always say, a messy locker equals a messy life. So a messy room equals messy life. Keep your rooms clean and everything will work out. That's great. Thank you, Mr. Davis, for visiting the Puffer Panther podcast. One more question. Are there any ways that we or our listeners can help your foundation? Oh, yeah. Um, yes, you guys can visit RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. Um, we have a donate tab. Like I said, we were trying to raise as much more money as to send 200, two, 150 to 200 kids to basketball camp. We have a Fort Wayne basketball camp coming up in April 5th through 7th. We're doing a summer league in Fort Wayne this summer. We're doing basketball camps in Nashville, West Lafayette. Maybe we can come to Chicago and get you guys a basketball camp. That would be really fun. But if, anybody, if you guys could, if anybody wants to go, RayfieldDavisBasketball.com, donate. On social media, I have a GoFundMe we share around. You can donate there. But also, we have a podcast, like you guys said. You can subscribe to our podcast, the Rayfield Davis podcast on YouTube. But, but any, anybody ever wants to reach out to me, feel free. 
I'm always willing to talk. I'm always willing to be a mentor to any, to you guys, to whoever. You guys are friends now. Don't feel shy. But anybody ever wants to get in contact with me, RayfieldDavisBasketball.com and RayfieldDavisBasketballCamp at gmail.com is my email. To all of our listeners, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thanks for listening. That's cool. Thank you, guys.